Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 32. Before I get to today's topic, there's something I want to mention about last week's episode. The title of that episode was Sex, Sex, Sex. Of all my episodes, this one has received the most first-day downloads. I don't want to rehash the episode's content. I just want to say that the first-day downloads proved my point that we're all inordinately attracted to sex these days. You might want to think about that. We've all suffered through too many embarrassments to count. That's just part of being human. Sometimes we do things to embarrass ourselves. Sometimes we do or say something that causes other people to do or say something that embarrasses us. Another sort of embarrassment is one I call an embarrassment of charity. That's when you find yourself embarrassed for other people. The reason for your embarrassment isn't because you think other people are stupid, but rather because you realize they don't realize they should be embarrassed for themselves. The last time I can recall experiencing this embarrassment of charity was about four or four and a half years ago. I'll tell you about it when we return. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Last time I experienced this embarrassment of charity, as I call it, was when I received my third degree as a Knight of Columbus. It was also the worst embarrassment of charity I can ever remember having. For those of you who don't know much about the Knights of Columbus, let me explain the degrees. A Knight can receive four degrees, but the fourth degree is pretty much a ceremonial degree. All those knights you've seen in tuxedos, wearing a chapeau, and carrying a sword are fourth-degree knights. What I want to tell you about has nothing to do with the men of the fourth degree. The first two degrees are essentially preparatory degrees for the third degree. They give you the right mindset for receiving the third degree. In retrospect, I can see where the first two degrees should have given me a clue about what to expect in the third degree, but I didn't figure it out. I've always had a tendency to be dumb as a bag of hammers in that respect. 
When I went to receive the third degree, there were about 50 other men there. At one point, they told us that we were going to show our proficiency in our knowledge of the Catholic faith. Since the Knights of Columbus have the reputation of being the premier lay organization for men in the church, I was a bit scared. In my arrogant pride, I was afraid these men were going to show me up as a fraud, a man who didn't know the faith nearly as well as I should. I was afraid of being embarrassed. I was embarrassed, all right. I was embarrassed for my fellow knights. I really had a few mixed emotions. For those of you who may be unsure about what mixed emotions are, that's the feeling you get when you watch your mother-in-law drive over the cliff in your new Lexus. On the one hand, I was thrilled when I realized we were going to be asked really simple catechetical questions. In case you don't recognize it, that was my pride demon popping up again. On the other hand, I was embarrassed and felt sorry for my fellow knights who were there with me to receive our third degree. With the exception of myself and two other men, no one got a single answer correct. It's not like these were difficult questions because they weren't. Every Catholic should be able to answer the questions we were asked. In fact, I'm at a loss as to how anyone can call themselves a Catholic in good conscience if they can't answer these simple questions. These poor souls couldn't even name the mysteries of the rosary, and they tell you in the first degree that you're expected to pray the rosary at least once a week. They even give you a rosary. Did everyone receive his third degree? You bet. When the men couldn't answer the questions put to them, the inquisitor gave the answer, then proclaimed the man questioned as proficient in the knowledge of his faith. In my mind, that was ridiculous and a grave disservice to the men who'd failed to get anything right. But that wasn't the saddest part. After the degree was conferred on us and the ceremony was over, I wandered around to meet some of the men. Two things became immediately clear to me. The first thing was that not one of the men I'd spoken to was the least bit embarrassed he couldn't answer any of these questions posed to him. The second thing to be apparent was that every one of these same men were convinced that they already knew everything they need to know about Catholicism. The question that kept going through my mind was, how can you possibly claim adherence to something you know absolutely nothing about? I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I'm concerned about souls. I'm a convert to the Catholic Church, so I made an informed decision as an adult to become a Catholic. That's not the way it is for cradle Catholics, though. If you're a cradle Catholic, you were supposed to be taught what you're expected to believe in stages. Thanks to the neo-modernist attempted destruction of the church from within since 1965, you've been cheated out of that knowledge. Consequently, at least 95% of mass-attending Catholics have no earthly idea what the church teaches, but nearly all of them think they know what they're supposed to know. Ask yourself a few questions. Are you a Democrat, Republican, or Independent? You can easily answer that question and state serious reasons why you hold to that political affiliation. Are you a capitalist, a socialist, or a communist? You can easily answer that question and state reasons why you hold that affiliation. To either question, you're most likely able to give objective, pragmatic reasons for your affiliations. Now ask yourself why you're a Catholic. 
if you're in that 95 percentile, you're either coming up with feckless, subjective reasons, which don't amount to a hill of beans, or you're hearing crickets. Try this sometime. Ask a Baptist what he believes. I promise you that he'll be able to tell you, and he'll probably cite scripture in his explanation. Ask the same question of Pentecostals, Methodists, Seventh-day Adventists, Mormons, or any other denomination. What you'll get is a well-reasoned response based on their religious teachings. If you don't get that sort of answer, what you'll get is an honest admission that he or she isn't a very good whatever. Now ask that question of a Catholic. Do you know what you'll get from 95% of them? They'll either tell you they were raised Catholic, give some namby-pamby platitude emotional answer, or you'll just hear crickets. None of those answers are reasons for holding to the belief system. Now, what will you do if, say, a Baptist asks you why Catholics believe they have to confess their sins to a priest rather than to God? If you're like the overwhelming majority of Catholics, you can't answer him. You don't know what to say. You should, though, because this deals with a pretty important issue, the eternal destination of your soul. I can guarantee you that if a Baptist asks you this loaded question that he already knows you can't answer, he'll be well prepared to tell you that confessing to a priest is a lie from hell and that he can save you from the evil clutches of Rome with biblical truth. I know because I used to be an anti-Catholic Baptist. Then he'll proceed to lead you right out of the church established by Christ and cause you to lose your soul and go to hell all because you don't know the faith or don't know it well enough. Are you convinced yet? Do you think maybe you need to learn a little bit more about the faith, the faith you profess? Well, then let's start taking care of that right now. In this and future episodes, I'm going to begin covering some of the basics you need to know. These basics won't necessarily be covered in one consistent episode after another, but we'll cover as much as we can. I never just tell you what the church teaches and what you're supposed to believe. I also tell you why we Catholics believe what we're supposed to believe. I guess I get that from the way I was when I was a small child. I was never content to just see my Christmas toys work. I had to know why they worked, what made them work. As you might imagine, most of my toys were broken by Christmas night. In this case, though, it's not my intention to destroy, but to build up to build you up in our holy and ancient faith. Since we use confession for our example, let's begin with that in this episode. All pardon for sins ultimately comes from Calvary. But how is this pardon to be received by individuals? How are people who sin today to obtain forgiveness? Did Christ leave us any means within the church to take away sins? Well, sure, the Bible says he gave us two means. Baptism was given to take away original sin and any sins committed before baptism. For sins after baptism, a different sacrament's needed. It's been called penance, confession, and reconciliation, each word emphasizing one of its aspects. During his life, Christ forgave sins, as in the case of the woman taken in adultery and the woman who anointed his feet. He exercised this power as man as he said in Mark 2.10, to convince you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins while he is on earth. Since he wouldn't always be with the church visibly, Christ gave this power to other men so the church, which is a continuation of his presence throughout time, would be able to offer forgiveness for future generations. 
He gave his power to the apostles, and it was necessarily one that could be passed on to their successors and agents, since, obviously, the apostles wouldn't always be on earth either. Let's look at what happened in John 20. Let me set the scene for you. It's Easter Sunday night. The apostles are aware that Mary Magdalene is claiming she saw the risen Jesus, and Peter and John saw the empty tomb themselves. However, the apostles haven't seen him themselves yet, so they're hiding out in the upper room behind locked doors for fear of the same people who had Jesus crucified. Then, according to John 20, Jesus suddenly appeared in the midst of them. He said, Peace be with you. The apostles were astonished and couldn't believe their own eyes, so Jesus showed them his pierced hands and side. That's when they believed and were happy to see him. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Then he did something very odd. He breathed on them. Then he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Wow! That's an incredibly pregnant passage. As a Protestant, this is one of the passages I couldn't understand in the Bible, but the Catholic explanation of it made it crystal clear for me. Let's break it down. First, Jesus did something no one could have seen coming. He said, As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. In other words, he was telling them that the mission God the Father had given him, God the Son was now passing on to them. He's giving them a divine mandate. Following that mandate, John 20:22 20, says that he breathed on them. This is only the second time in human history when God breathed on man. The first time was when God breathed life into Adam in Genesis 2:7. This time God is breathing a new kind of life into these chosen men. That new life was to receive God, the Holy Spirit, in a special way. Then Jesus said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Imagine that. First he tells them he's passing his own mission onto them. Then he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out that mission. And now he's telling them they now have the power to forgive sins. What makes this even more amazing is that he's telling them they can withhold forgiveness, which means the sinner has to actually tell them what those sins are. After all, no one can make a decision whether or not to forgive a sin unless the sin is first known, and it can't be known unless it's told. Paul later affirms the Catholic understanding of John 20. In 2 Corinthians 2.8, Paul talks about Jesus giving the apostles the ministry of reconciliation. Most opponents of the church like to say we misinterpret John 20, even though they can't explain it themselves. Some like to say that Jesus is reinforcing his command that we must forgive those who sin against us. But that interpretation doesn't work. True enough, Jesus constantly preached that we have to forgive those who sin against us. He preached it so much, in fact, that Peter finally asked Jesus how many times we're obliged to forgive. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said we have to forgive 70 times 7, which means infinitely. But this forgiveness is for those who sin against us, not those who sin against God. 
Jesus is clearly giving the apostles a choice whether to forgive sins committed against God, and they'd obviously withhold their absolution if they believed the sinner wasn't truly sorry, or if he had no intention of breaking with that sin. That's just what a priest would do today. Other Protestant anti-Catholics like to say the church invented confession, and they place a date for that invention at 1215 at the Fourth Lateran Council. The Fourth Lateran Council certainly discussed confession, but it didn't invent it. For those who say confession was invented in 1215, you'd think references to the sacrament prior to 1215 wouldn't exist, but they do. There are scores of references to confession dating all the way back to the first century, and some describe the sacrament just the way we have it today. The first catechism ever written is a document called the Didache. Then there are the patristical writings of men like Arrhenius, Origen, Cyprian, and Ambrose. If there's an invention here, it's not the sacrament of penance, but the notion that the priestly forgiveness of sins isn't found in the Bible or in early Christian history. Actually, we could spend a couple of hours on this one topic alone, but I'm limiting it here for the sake of time. However, if you like this, then you might want to think about beginning to attend my weekly webinars. We're taking a summer break right now, but my regular participants voted to recommence the webinars on August the 25th. We cover everything Catholic in these webinars. Most of them are no longer than an hour, and some of them are only 20 or 30 minutes long. I cover everything from teaching about and proving the existence of God to everything on human sexuality. Best of all, they're all free. If you want to sign up to receive invitations to these webinars, visit joesixpackanswers.com and sign up in the sign-up form on the right sidebar. You can also click the link in my show notes. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. When the Alaska Supreme Court ruled that the state couldn't cut tax dollars to abortion, the state's Republican governor, Mike Dunleavy, devised a creative response cutting the same amount of money from the court's budget, which I reported a few weeks ago. Now the left-wing ACLU has filed a lawsuit against the move. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. 
Catholic News Pick Number Four. Hats off to LifeSite News. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed a law requiring life-saving treatment for infants born alive after failed abortions, a basic legal protection the House of Representatives still refuses to emulate. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick Number 3 Hats off to BlabberBuzz. Conservative Army veteran Joe Biggs says he's, quote, had enough of these mass commie bastards attacking civilians, end quote, and will be hosting an anti-Antifa protest in Portland, where a journalist was recently attacked by far-left radicals. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number two. two. Hats off to LifeSite News. This is absolutely insane. Canadian transgender activist Jonathan Jessica Yaniv, a biologically born male who now claims to be a female, has asked the township of Langley Council for permission to host topless LGBT swim parties for people age 12 plus at the municipality's public swimming pools. He is also requesting that the parents be prohibited from attending the events where 12-year-old girls could be present. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number One. Hats off to LifeSite News. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, one of my personal favorite bishops, spoke out on Twitter about how the Catholic Church's moral teaching on sexuality and the family has been broken and tainted of late, and he called for a return to the truth of that teaching by Catholic laity and bishops. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. In a certain parish, a priest was trying to get his parishioners to obey the commandments, church law, and to go to confession, so he devised a plan. One Sunday morning, he made this announcement. A distinguished person of the parish has died. The funeral will be held Wednesday at 9 o'clock. The whole parish began to buzz with the news since no one could imagine who the prominent person was. So on the day of the funeral, the church was so crowded that people had to stand in the back. The casket was open so the people could file past to see the remains of the distinguished person. They looked into the casket and gasped in surprise. After Mass, the priest said to the people, As you looked into the casket, you saw that the dead person was you. I borrowed the casket and put a mirror in it so you could see yourself. You're spiritually dead, so I thought I'd bury you. I celebrated this Mass for all of you, for your souls. It didn't take long for the people to make up their minds to go to confession. The priest wanted to show his people they were spiritually dead because they refused to frequent the confessional. As a Catholic, you don't have the option to decide whether to go to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days. You don't have the option to decide whether you believe a thing is a sin. You certainly don't have the option to decide to receive Holy Communion when you've done things the Church says are sinful. Jesus said to the apostles, As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. He gave them his authority. Go to confession now and make it a habit to go at least once a month. Hey, six-packers, that's all for this episode. 
I've enjoyed having you with me. Don't forget to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. The links are in my show notes. Also, remember to visit joesixpackanswers.com to sign up for my free email course. Each short lesson arrives in your inbox every three days. We also have the Cantankerous Catholic Social Media Group you can join to discuss anything about Catholicism, our country, or anything else on your mind. I visit the page every day. The link's also in my show notes. There are lots of other neat things of interest in my show notes, too. You can find them at cantankerouscatholic.com. And remember to live by the Joe Sixpack battle cry. Comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.